You know, when I think of Joseph, as we've been looking at him in, in our series, you know, I picture someone who possesses a tremendous strength of character, someone who is just so strong within, in his inner man, his, you know, in his spirit. He, he had strength to face pressure, to face insurmountable situations to endure for a long time. And then the ability to step in to that role of tremendous responsibility. And, you know, God, that met part of the message for that for us is that God wants to impart strength to each of our lives. You know, he greatly desires that. In fact, that's one of his names. First Samuel 15, 29. The strength of Israel. You know, that's who he calls himself. The strength of Israel will not lie or repent, which means change. You know, he stays the same forever. He's not a man that he should easily change like we do. You know, we easily change. We're changeable because we lack strength. But God wants to give us strength to be like him. Someone who just stands in the truth, who stands in the will of our strength of Israel of our God of strength. And of course, he, the Lord gave us many examples in the scripture of people who had the strength of the Lord, like Joseph, as we've been looking at, or Moses, right? I mean, we're look, we can look at the Old Testament characters, and some of them, God let them have natural, well, it's natural, but it's supernatural, right? Supernatural in their natural bodies, because Moses was 120 and he said he had perfect sight. I'm already wearing reading glasses. I got to make my font bigger <laughs> on my iPad. And he was full of vitality. You know, he, was, he knew the strength of the Lord. Or Caleb. He wasn't 120 like Moses, but yet he still, he was around 85 or somewhere around there when he declared... He was a, he's as strong as he was when he was 40 and went to spy out the land. He was still a warrior at 85. Now, it would be nice, and we're asking God for the natural touch for strength. Uh, you know, we're believing for resurrection power to flow in our day. That's a, you know, his healing flowing is a sign of his truth and his message but I think what's even more important than that, you know, we can have weak bodies, but that's nothing if we have strength, the strength of the Lord within us, in our spirits, strength to overcome, strength to hold on to the promises, strength to obey and to walk in the pathway. We must have strength. If we don't have it, we're not going to overcome. We won't be able to conquer our enemies Enemies without, right? We've got a few enemies out there. We've got one roaring lion out there we have to face. Of course, I think the, the ones that are a lot harder to deal with are within, right? The enemies that lie within us, our nature, and so forth. We need strength. We need strength to endure and strength to overcome. You know, we keep coming back to this theme and 
in, in different series, you know, if we have a series on something, usually one of them is involving strength. God wants to impart strength to us and he'll bring it back in different ways through the different lives that we see. You know, sometimes God has us look at a truth like a gem. A gem has many facets and you can look at it and you're looking at a different angle, but you're seeing the same thing. And, and God wants to show us all the ways that he wants to impart strength into our lives. And there's also a constant progression. He wants us to grow in strength. Because the ultimate place he wants to bring us to is like it says in Daniel, or like you know the Lord said to, to Daniel, Daniel 11.32, In the last days, there'll be those who do wickedly against the covenant, like the Antichrist. They'll pervert by flatteries. We need strength to stand against that. But the people that know their God will be strong. They'll do exploits. They'll do mighty things because they have strength. They've, they've had a strength imparted into their lives that enables them to stand against the wicked one and his evil and his flatteries and his deception. Oh, we need to know the strength of the Lord. Not just in the last days. We need, we need his strength now. right? Because we will face, face pressures. I'm sure there are some who are already facing them as we were praying for this morning for some. Many are being tested. You know, in reality, we're all going to be tested. We, we have that to look forward to. Not with great anticipation, but we know that it's there and it's coming. We know the pressure is only going to increase as the days progress. But those who know their God, who have walked with him, who followed him, who've obeyed him, who have heard his voice and recognized it and said, you know, that voice is worth obeying because that's how I'm going to receive strength. And then they will do mighty feats. They'll be strong or, you know, you could say be examples of strength for other people. They'll say, oh, that's one of God's mighty ones. They're doing feats of strength because they have the strength of the Lord. God wants to do that work in us and through us. But there's, there is one way I was quickened to share on concerning how strength is developed. It just kind of kept coming to me. And, and whenever I, I think of this, I think of what the Apostle Paul says, because it's kind of one of the premier verses. You know, when he was ministering and he was doing so well and he was traveling to the nations and starting churches, God brought him to a place of affliction. And affliction came on him that in, in the natural way, you think, oh, you shouldn't accept that, Paul. That might hinder your, you know, your ministry. Uh, it was something in, in the natural, in his natural body. We surmise it might have been his eyesight. We don't know. You know, got hints in some of his letters that he's writing big with his, his own hand. Most of the time he, you know, uh, would let others write for him. Perhaps he, he had trouble seeing. We're not totally sure, but... We do know Paul was accustomed to praying for things and getting answers and miracles. And so he prayed, Lord, get rid of this. Heal this. You know, healing had already flowed through him in marvelous ways. So why not to his own body? And, and we want to have faith for that. But in this instance, God responded back to the Apostle Paul 
And he said, in this situation, the answer is not healing, but it's submitting to the weakness, submitting to the affliction. And Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, And God said unto, unto me, My grace is sufficient. That was the answer. My grace is sufficient, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And that's really where it's at. If we want to become conduits for the strength of the Lord, we're going to have to know some weakness. Our weakness is a conduit for his strength. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities, in my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproach, in necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so it took this divine ordained, uh, this God-ordained weakness for Paul to have a revelation. He understood that he could only experience this new level of spiritual strength when he allowed God to take him through a time of reduction, through a time where his own strength, his own ability was reduced. And in this instance, it was probably something in his body. But in, in submitting to that, he experienced the strength of the Lord in a new way. So much so that he said, hey, I'm going to rejoice in my infirmity. I'm going to, I'm going to welcome it. I'm going to praise God every time I'm weak because when I'm weak, then the strength of the Lord can come upon me and flow through me. He realized if he would step back, God was going to come in and produce something wonderful, a perfection of his strength in Paul's weak vessel you know, sometimes when we try to do things in our strength, all we're doing is getting in God's way. And God's saying, look, if you just hold up for a minute, just submit to the situation, wait upon me. We're going to look at that verse and at the, actually it's more at the end. Wait upon me, then you'll know my strength. But Paul fully embraced it. He said, if that's the case, I will rejoice in my infirmity. And he, he enlarges, you know, on, on the categories, you know, on, it's, you know, it can apply to times of lack of necessities. Uh, it could be persecution. You know, sometimes people speak against us to bring us down, belittle us. But Paul says it's an opportunity for God's strength to lift us up. You know, sometimes we experience distress because we are making that decision to stand in God's way, in his righteousness. And, you know, sometimes people distress us <laughs> or there can be situations that are distressing when we have to stand in that. We have to pay a price for that. But Paul says each of those situations and probably many other categories are all an opportunity to have God's strength developed and perfected. And we can rejoice in those that when we are in those situations, because when we are weak, we are made strong. Reminds us of another passage, very similar, of the heroes of faith. They did many mighty works. 
but they also went through difficulties, didn't they? They just, you know, some of those things are like, well, Lord, you had that way for them, but praise God, lead me in your way. You know, because they went through times of persecution, deprivation, imprisonment, and so, so on and so forth, but all that they might receive a better resurrection. They all experienced walking with God and overcoming and being empowered, but it says something very specific about them of how they were empowered. Hebrews 11.33, it says they, you know, these heroes of faith, they the, through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promise, stopped the mouths of lions, and that kind of, you can just kind of put a, a, a name to each of those uh, situations from the scriptures. They quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. How did they do all that, though? Out of weakness, made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. You know, in all of those things, they showed the strength of the Lord. You know, even though this is kind of included as one of the categories, I think this is a good basis for all of the categories that when they were weak in themselves, then the strength of the Lord was seen upon them and flowed through them. And that's what made them great. In their desperate situations, they overcame by the strength of the Lord. Out of weakness were made strong. And they became the heroes of faith because of that, by going through great weakness. They were brought very low. But in that situation, they obtained great strength. And in our lives, if we are being prepared to reign with Christ, we can expect at times to be brought very low, to go through times of perhaps a time of weakness where you have to cry out for strength. And in that situation, God meets with you and empowers you to go on. Or sometimes he just empowers you to stand. Or I, I remember a story Pastor Bailey shared, um, and this was before he experienced his sickness. This is back when he was still traveling, ministering overseas. But I, I can't remember. I remember there was one time where he couldn't sleep for like the whole trip. He couldn't sleep at all. This might have been that time, but I can't, I'm not 100%. But anyway, he, he was very weak in his body. He said he was so tired, he just could barely get out of bed. And I remember what stuck in me, my memory, is he said, I was getting dressed, and I looked down at my shoes to try and put them on, and I just said, oh, God, give me your strength to put my shoe on for my left foot. And God gave him the strength that he put it on. And now he looked down at his right foot, and he's like, Lord, can I have more strength to put my shoe on my right foot? I mean, that's how tired he was. He was... He was so weak. And, and he was saying that to, to just to illustrate, he had to cry out for the strength of God, for just, even for little things. But God enabled him and empowered him to go on in that trip. And you know he hit the mark for that trip that God had for him. But sometimes we will be brought to Times of great weakness. Now, it might nece not necessarily be in that same way, but it could be one of the categories that the Apostle Paul gave to us. 
but God wants to fill us with his strength. You know, we can look back at, at one of the miracles that took place with some of the prophets. You know, think of, of the prophet Elijah. You know, it, was, it wasn't one of the miracles he performed, but it, I was thinking of one of the miracles God did for him. Because he came to a very low place. Remember when he fled in, into the desert and he was pretty down and he, you know, because they were seeking his life, even when he just performed that miracle on Mount Carmel and the fire of God came down, they still were, you know, not embracing God and seeking his life and so forth. And he just sat down under a juniper tree. Well, in this translation, uh, it says a broom tree. I don't know what a broom tree is, but, but so it says this in first, first Kings 19 and verse four. It says, he went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a tree and, and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it's enough. Lord, I'm ready. Take me home. Take my life. I am no better than my father's. You know, it's hard to compare yourself to those who have gone before you because they always look better, you know, because they've, they've ended, they've hit the mark you know, and so forth, especially when you're in a low place. But it was there in that low place that he experienced a form of the double portion because he fell asleep for a while and then an angel came and touched him and he woke up and there were some hot cakes, you know, cooking on a stone and a cruise of water and he ate it and he drank it Then he went back to sleep. And the angel came again and touched him and he rose up and again, he ate some hot cakes and drank some water. But then God did something miraculous. First Kings 19 and verse eight says, then he arose and he ate and he drank the second time. And he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. And so at his weakest moment, I mean, I think you could say that's probably the lowest place in Elijah's walk with God, where he said, it's, I don't even want to go on. But in that lowest place, he received an anointing of strength, not to do some mighty act or to perform some miracle, but for a simple purpose of going forward, just to go on to follow God, to follow the lamb wherever he would lead us. Sometimes we need an anointing of strength because we have to be brought to that place of weakness. And so he went in the strength of that touch for 40 days and 40 nights until he came to the holy mountain of God. And that's where he met God and his vision was renewed. And he understood he wasn't the only one making a stand for God. God wants to empower us he wants to bring us to his holy mountain to encourage us where we're changed. I was remembering one of the gates we looked at. We did a series on the gates of Jerusalem. And, you know, I was just thinking of the valley gate. Remember the valley gate? Uh, it was one of the gates where to get to that, you had to, you got to go down into a valley and then ascend back up and you could come to that gate. You know, Jerusalem is a city of mountaintops. And so you had to always come up 
the mountain to come into the holy city. The mountaintops are so wonderful. Sometimes we can say like Peter, Lord, let's build a house here. Meaning, Lord, I don't want to leave this place. Let's just, can we just make this our ministry? The mountaintop ministry? The revival ministry? Lord, if it's not revival, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I feel that for my ministry. I'm, I feel the revival ministry. That's what Peter was saying. Well, the reality is we have to go down into the valleys. You know, we can, we can stay on the mountaintop, but what that means is we don't go on. We don't follow the lamb. If we're going to follow the lamb, there's valley and mountaintop. And sometimes valley, 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 mountaintop. What it feels like. But there's something interesting. We, we looked at this in the, the gates of Israel, there's three main valleys. I've got some slides I wanted to show. You know, three main valleys in Jerusalem and the city. You can see that there's the Kidron Valley uh, with the Mount of Olives and uh, the city of David and the temple there. There's the, I don't even know if I can say this, the Tyropoean, Tyropoean. That kind of, that separates uh, Mount Moriah and the city of David with uh, the mountain to the, actually, is that north? Oh, yeah, to the west of it. That's why I was thinking that the north is to the right. Um, let's go to the next slide, too. I think there's one more that shows. Okay, yeah, that shows the layout there. So there's the temple, and there's the city of David uh, is just to the south of the temple. So those are the three valleys there. Well, something interesting about this that I thought was kind of neat when we were studying this out is there's a, I'm go to the next slide. There's a Hebrew letter called Shin or Sheen, which is used to represent the name of the Lord, El Shaddai. And it kind of looks like a W. And someone realized if you look at the valleys, you can see a, a similarity to the Hebrew letter. And let's go to the next slide. You know, there's those valleys in Jerusalem. And I got one more of another. You know, there's a uh, kind of a satellite type map of the area. There's the valleys there. And you kind of see a picture of that letter that represents the name of the Lord. And it's really significant when you consider what the Lord said in Deuteronomy 16 and verse 2. He said this, he said, Therefore you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. God put his name in those cities. But what's interesting is where did he put his name? On the mountaintops? In the valleys. The valleys are the outline, you know, as we're look, considering that thought. You know, it's in the low places and it's in those seasons or experiences where we're passing through that God is there to meet with us, that he's there to fill us with supernatural strength. And, and that's why when Paul realized this, he started rejoicing. He's like, Lord, you're in the valleys. Your strength is there. His strength isn't on the mountaintops. I mean, his, his glory is there, but the strength he wants to impart into us or as we pass through those valleys and we meet with him, in our weakness, we experience the strength of the Lord. Even the anointing that comes from his name, the strength 
of Israel. I told you I was going to mention one more verse here. And it's really that culminating thought. It's the verse we think of where we want to walk in strength and how God wants to strengthen His people. Isaiah 40 and verse 29. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. That should tell us something there. When we come to the place where we are weak in ourselves, that's where He increases our might. Even the, the youths shall faint and they'll be weary. That, that speaks of those who have natural strength. right? If they try and rely on their natural strength, they're going to be weary. And then the, in this trans... And, and it's actually... In the King James, it says, the young men shall utterly fall. That's not a good place. None of us want to utterly fall. But that's when we walk as young men trying to, and women trying to walk in our own strength. But they who wait upon the Lord. And the implication is we wait in our weakness. We don't try and do something. We don't try and produce something. We don't try and work something up. We don't try and find a solution on our own, but we wait upon the Lord. Those shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They're going to run. They won't be weary. They'll walk. They will not faint. And so when we are weak, God wants us to cry out to him and wait upon him because he is coming as the strength of Israel. Joseph was brought so low, but in a day, he was lifted up. like he, It was as if he had wings of an eagle that just carried him out of that prison and set him upon that mountain of that place that God had pre totally prepared for him so that when all everything was done, he was just transferred in a day. He was lifted up on eagle's wings. And as we wait upon God, there will come a time when we are lifted up. When he gives us strength, we're renewed like the eagle. And, you know, we've looked at the, that concept. There's some eagles that experience a low season, but then they're renewed and they soar into the heavens. And so let's wait upon him. Let's continue so that we can run and not be weary, walk and not faint. That might involve some times of well, it will involve times of weakness in whatever type, whatever situation. It might involve experiencing more than one type. It might be in our bodies or it might be in our spirits or it might just be passing through a valley where we say, Lord, I don't know if I have strength. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing to come to that place of recognition and realization. Okay, Lord, you've brought me to, to something that I cannot do. I can't deal with. I can't find the solution. Oh God, would you be the solution? Would you empower with new strength and new life? Let's ask God to do that. Amen? Maybe we can just come and sing a little chorus and ask God to fill us afresh. And you know, then I'll come back and let's pray and ask God for an impartation of his strength. Amen.